Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Livia Snedden. And I'm Rob Olson. It's another interlude episode this time, so we're going to get a little bit random on you. Later in the episode, we're going to be talking about David James Keaton's novella ZB&B. But first, we want to welcome a friend of ours and of Booked onto the show. Dan Hines hosts his own show, The Fat and A Podcast, along with the enigmatic Joe Hammer. Dan, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Great to have you. Good to have you. Tell us a little bit about your show. Uh, well, I have the Fat Nate podcast. Uh, like you said, I host it with Joe Hammer. Uh, he's my partner in crime. Each week, we review a new movie, and we have a couple uh, comedy segments. The show is more comedy than it is movies. And then we have uh, the most popular segment. We review an amateur porn video at the end of each episode, and people seem to love it. Great. Uh, what was your original inspiration for uh, starting this podcast? Um, well, actually, uh, Livius was at Oberweiss, the ice cream place with Joe and I, because uh, we're fat and we wanted food. This is where we went after we left a buffet. And uh, <laughs> we were talking about Livius's podcast booked with you guys and how he was keeping it in secret and then uh, finally decided to release it upon the world. And then Joe and I were like, yeah, we should start a podcast. And uh, we both talked about the podcast we listened to. And I said, oh, we should do a movie podcast. And then I, I came up with the name, like, Fat and A right there on the spot. And we both liked it, and it stuck. Yeah, I, I believe the way that went is, Rob, you and I were in works on this podcast for about three weeks at the time. And I think Fat and A was up with an episode, like, three days after they made the decision to do it. <laughs> yeah. It might have even been next day. We were, uh, we were envious of you guys, and we weren't going to let you beat us to the punch, even though we were three weeks behind. Well, you guys had like no growing pains. That first episode sounded really smooth, uh, as far as like at least audio. Like technologically, it sounded really smooth, and ours had had a lot of steps before it got to sounding anywhere near the good quality it is now. Yeah, how do you get that fantastic quality on your show, Dan? <laughs> well, it's a little secret called the iPhone Four. Uh, I actually got the idea listening to the Nerdist podcast. They had their voice recorder break one time and used an iPhone Four to record an episode, and that's how a Probably the first 12 episodes or 14 episodes of our show have been recorded was using the iPhone 4. And we actually are upgrading to uh, a new voice recorder going forward. So that's going to improve the quality of the show, uh, at least with audio, not content. (laughs) So other than movie reviews and amateur porn, what else can our listeners expect when they head over to your website? Uh, On the website, we basically just put a quick summary of the review. They can uh, actually just play it from there. We're also on iTunes. Uh, and on the episodes we have, uh, each week we have a spelling bee, uh, that came about because my co-host Joe can't spell to save his life. I've received text messages where he spelled dog, like D-A-W-G, and he wasn't trying to be clever. Uh, that's actually, I think how he thinks you're supposed to spell dog. And so I started making him spell stuff on the spot. I didn't even tell him about the segment and people love it because uh, a lot of people can't spell. And I've had a lot of people come to me and say, I couldn't spell half those words either. So I'm really uh, scared about the future of our country. <laughs> so you're saying that this is um, so it's a lot about porn and uh, ridiculing someone who can't spell. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, I'm naturally a bully. It just comes to me. And uh, <laughs> Joe is a very easy target. So he's a fun, loving guy. He loves life. And I'm very cynical. So I just sit there and pick on him for about an hour each week. It's great. I'll tell you what. I uh, I started out, I think that my favorite uh, segment of yours for a long time was the, I, I think you cut, what is it? The notorious spelling B I G. Uh, yes. The spelling segment, uh, was my, my favorite for a while until Joe told the, <laughs> the story about 
what age he was when he started reading and then uh, it just stopped being fun for me i think i i prefer the uh what you're into segment toward the end now yeah my co-host uh revealed a secret about three weeks ago that he didn't learn how to read until he was eight years old uh it can't be because he's shy because if you met him in person now you'd never believe that kid was ever shy he is a karaoke dj also in his free time so he's loud and outgoing that story just took the wind out of the sails for me for the the spelling bee well based on the fact that i said i was cynical earlier that just made it even more fun for me to pick on him (laughs) he's like my little brother even though he's older than me so i love picking on joe and a lot bigger yeah and wider so you guys review movies one of the questions we get quite a bit reviewing books is how what our selection process is for picking uh for picking a book um what's your selection process for picking the next movie you review well, uh, for this week, we've actually uh, been on each episode. We have a segment called Trailer Trash, where we'll talk about trailers from the movie we saw that week. We'll pick like three out and then we'll discuss them. And then we'll usually say like, oh, we want to see that. We're really excited about that. And Horrible Bosses is a trailer we saw when we saw Hangover 2. And we've been talking about that ever since. And that comes out this week and we're going to see it tomorrow. So we're looking forward to seeing that movie. And then basically uh, we pick that out. And then also... Uh, one time we went to see Something Borrowed, which is that Kate Hudson movie, and just because we thought it was going to be terrible, and we ended up liking it. So we were very ashamed of that. <laughs> I actually have seen the trailer for Horrible Bosses, and, and you guys both know my movie taste. It's definitely not something I would like to see, and I actually thought the trailer was kind of funny and considered seeing it myself. Yeah, uh, Livius has horrible taste in movies. He That's how I describe much- it. When someone asks what kind of movies do you like, I say horrible ones. Yeah. <laughs> He likes like the B movies on Netflix or like the free ones on YouTube. Those are his favorite. Or anything with Brendan Fraser in it, I understand. I love, oh, I love, I love me some Brendan Fraser. <laughs> me too. In fact, I put him in movies he was actually never in. That's how much I like him. That's another one of my favorite segments of yours is... Yeah, thing. not fact-checking fact, not fact <laughs> checking with Dan Hines. A lot of times on the show, I uh, go back to my history of working at Blockbuster for five years and uh, I will mention people that were in movies or say, I think they were in this, and not actually take the time to look it up and make edits during the show. So we'll just let it roll and let it post. And then if uh, people comment and say, nope, you're an idiot, then we know they're listening. So we like the feedback. Think about adding that as a segment. That's usually me at 6.30 in the morning on my way to work texting him to correct something that I heard on, on the previous night's podcast. Yep. Livius and Rob get first dibs on the podcast. We share them on the side before they're even on the website. And uh, they tell me what's wrong. Yeah. And then I still don't fix it. I still just let it go. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So changing, changing subjects a little bit. So we wanted to have you on the show and you're not much of a reader. So um, this is a good episode to have you on because we're reviewing a novella, which is a, a much shorter story than we usually review. But seeing as you like movies and apparently you like stories, how is it you haven't made the transition from liking stories on the screen to liking stories on the written page? I honestly think it has to stem from the fact that I have ADD, uh, undiagnosed or self-diagnosed, I should say. I can't really get into like fiction at all. I'll start reading it and my mind starts to wander. And it even happened when I was reading this book and it's only more like a hundred pages long. And, uh, you know, I thought it was still it was a good story, but there's still times where I was like, wait, what the hell just happened? <laughs> and uh, had to go back and read a couple pages over. All right. So is there anything you like to read? 
Yeah, you know, I'm actually, well, there is, I don't want to say I don't like fiction at all. Like, there's some fiction I like. I know you turn me on to the book Apathy and Other Small Victories, and I know you've mentioned it on the show. Uh, like, that kind of humor. If something's funny or interesting, I can get into it. But if a book's, like, slow and, like, fixed on character development and things like that, like, literary people would, like, appreciate me not so much <laughs> I, <laughs> I want like action or comedy or something happening constantly uh yeah, like so that's all i look for in a book for me to really like it but i do like nonfiction and books on surprisingly like on business and things like that i can get behind and like reading those things or things on social media kind of a social media person i'm into that on twitter and facebook things like that maybe that's a segment we can do livius's uh reads for non-readers that could be. So yeah, okay, so, some good. Sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, why don't you throw out a good nonfiction book then as a recommendation? Something you've read recently? Good nonfiction book I've read recently. Uh, well, actually, life changing event for me. I read the Four Hour Body by Tim Ferriss. Uh, Rob read this also, but he didn't stick to it as <laughs> much as I did. Uh, I lost like fifty five pounds uh, doing the diet from that book, and I read the whole thing, and it's like five hundred pages long. And so I can read that book, but I can't get into a hundred page like zombie book. Yeah, you and I, we, I don't know. I think you started a little before me on the uh, on the four hour body the diet situation, right? Yeah, uh, I abandoned you <laughs> not very long afterwards. Fifteen and... minutes into the four hour body, <laughs> no, well, eighteen pounds, eighteen pounds into it, I abandoned you. And uh, it, the, the excuse I had was legitimate, but I just think that I didn't have a lot of follow through. Is that I couldn't get enough calories and. Uh, I think if I tried hard enough, I could find a diet that worked, and I just, I don't know, I let it go. And but. I, I kind of felt bad because I planted that seed in your mind because you were like, oh, I had like 1,200 calories today. And I was like, you are way too big to only yeah. eat 1,200 calories. And yeah, I think you were kind of like, yeah, he's right. I should eat more. And that's all you heard in the conversation. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, it wasn't it wasn't follow-through. But I'm really proud of like the success you've had with it. It's fantastic and overwhelming it's really cool if you keep that up dan you're gonna have to uh your co-host is gonna have to find someone else to do the show with oh <laughs> uh, yeah well i'm still fat on the inside and uh i've actually recently i've been cheating like arnold schwarzenegger and uh <laughs> been eating everything in sight and that's exactly his style too if you've seen the pictures of that woman he cheated with <laughs> well once uh, you go to canada books. they don't have uh healthy food in canada right it's all timbits Oh my God! Timbits and poutine. Need I say more? <laughs> and the book podcast faces its darkest hour. <laughs> Dan, you mentioned a minute ago that you uh, worked at Blockbuster. Um, can you tell us? Uh, do you have anything interesting about working at Blockbuster, and how much of that uh, led you to want to do a movie review podcast? Uh, well, for anyone that's ever seen the movie Clerks, I am basically Randall. Uh, I would sit around and read magazines all day and uh watch movies inside of the store uh we didn't have the adult section being the block friend, the family friendly store we were but we get like free rentals each week so i'd watch at least like five movies every week for free and all the new movies and so i just watch movies constantly and a lot of garbage movies a lot of good movies but i'd constantly watch them so i uh and i'd also read us weekly because i was always on the shelves in cosmo so i kind of became a pop culture person reading that uh weekly and getting into all the celebrity gossip all right, so I'm going to assume you're not still reading Cosmo and Us Weekly, so where does one get their celebrity gossip? Uh, well, we have a celebrity gossip portion on the Fat Name Podcast each week, and usually I go to uh, 
this is uh, like my favorite blog for celebrity gossip because I think the guy writes in like a hilarious manner is uh, WWTDD.com. It's what would Tyler Durden do? And uh, the writer there is just hilarious. He only has like five articles a day. And he's always like the first one. This is a personal preference here. We're talking about amateur porn earlier. He always has like the celeb nudes. He's one of the first spots to find him if you guys are into that. Livius, I know you are. <laughs> Have you ever heard of – this is something that I uh, – my friend of mine really liked this website back in the day. Have you ever heard of the Superficial? I think it's kind of along the same uh, celebrity gossip vein. Yeah, I used to go to that site too. And uh, I, they actually – like it's funny because this guy will talk shit um, – pardon the expression, about the other blog and he'll just make fun of them constantly or like Egotastic's another one and uh, they'll go back and forth. Uh, TMZ occasionally has stories but it's mostly stuff like I don't care about uh, like I don't care about Lindsay Lohan or anything like that usually. So um, on your list of favorite movies there, where exactly do zombie movies come in? Uh, nowhere on the list at all. <laughs> I'm not into zombie movies at all and uh, it's funny when we talk about the book later on I'll, I can touch base on this. But I've never been a real fan of, like, zombies or anything. I'm just, you know, I guess it goes back to the fiction thing. Or, like, zombies are fake. Why would people be this animated about them? And, uh, however, I did work with a kid who claimed to have over 400 zombie movies. And he actually ordered a uh, region-free DVD player so he could watch German and Japanese zombie movies from, uh, you know, overseas. From Germany and Japan? <laughs> yeah, approximately. That's intense. You got to be a big fan to do something like that. Yeah, he was. Uh, he's a funny looking kid too. So it'd be even funnier <laughs> when he'd uh, sit there and talk about his. He'd get really animated about zombie movies and tell you more than you'd ever care to hear about it. And uh, we'd always make fun of him behind his back and to his face because I'm a nice guy. You keep saying animated, and this is just the dorkiest thing I'm ever going to say. But like, wasn't there a movie called Reanimator or something? I just keep thinking reanimating when you're saying animated. Yes, there was. A yeah, because uh, they mention it in the movie American Beauty, if you remember, when Kevin Spacey like smokes pot with the caterer kid, and then he lets him borrow his copy of Reanimator. There it is. Boom. <laughs> just used. We just used a movie to verify that another movie that Rob thought existed <laughs> actually that's exists. How, that's how made a fat and a podcast can be. So that was probably the world's poorest segue into talking about our novella. Um, <laughs> It's a zombie story, ZBMB, also known as Propeller Hats for the Dead by David James Keaton. Yeah, this story originally appeared in the anthology Dead Core uh, that was released by Comet Press in September of 2010, alongside, I think it's three other novellas that are all, they're all zombie stories. I'll give you the synopsis from the Comet Press website, um, kind of as a precursor to us going in and giving our own thoughts on it. At a zombie bed-and-breakfast tourist trap, guests pay for the thrill of a staged zombie assault during an apocalyptic scenario acted out by sluggish hotel workers who are well-versed in the zombie genre. But soon the script doesn't go as planned, the guests become uncooperative, and the actors are taking their roles very seriously these days. All right, before we start talking about it, uh, Dan, I'm sure that you've, you've I hope <laughs> that you've listened to some episodes before, but we do try to keep our talk spoiler-free. Uh, we can talk about the story in general. We wanna, don't want to give away too much stuff. Got it. All right. Everybody dies. <laughs> Everybody always dies. Rob, what's your take on, uh, on what ZBMB is all about? All right, so I'm just going to get some of my more 
boring stuff out of the way first and talk about a couple of the major themes that I saw uh, throughout the book. Uh, the first one being home invasion, and it's the type of uh, zombie story where you've got the the people that are locked inside the house, and then there's the your typical zombies who are trying to get in after them. Uh, in this story, it's the it's the employees who are the actors of zombies who are trying, you know, they're staging this whole scene for the, the people at the bed and breakfast. One of the, one of the major parts of the book is that all the actors who are playing zombies outside talk a lot about zombie movies and, and, and stuff like that. And they, and this is one of the themes that comes up a lot is when they're talking about these types of setups where zombies are trying to get inside and the meaning behind it and everything and how the house is more important than the people in it. Because if the people just left, they could probably escape the zombies, but they choose to stay, so that gives the house meaning. And another big thing is that they're analyzing the meaning of the basement and the meaning of what the roof is. And the basement is basically like certain doom, while uh, the roof is is like salvation, basically. Yeah, Keaton's novella takes us on a kind of like a grand world tour of zombie movies and just like general zombie folklore. He's taken uh, what's a really good story. And kind of as a vehicle throughout the story, just pays homage to uh, just a ton of great zombie films and classic zombie films, even not so great ones, I guess, but a ton of zombie films either way. So that's one of the big themes. And then um, another thing is, uh, like I said before, they're talking about all these zombie movies and making references to them and stuff. And they talk a lot about how zombies act or how they're supposed to act or, you know, how the culture of zombies dictates how zombies will act and one thing i noticed in this is that they constantly refer to movies and everything but they don't ever really talk about books about zombies and that's kind of more recent phenomenon is is the popularity of zombie books but uh he really sticks directly to zombie movies yeah it's odd i didn't really do you you remember we have someone else on the show with us i'm doing great guys <laughs> i just started, I started talking i was like man notice how much smoother we are when we just kick into our own spiel and i'm like hey you know dan's on the show yeah i think this is all golden we should keep this so far um couple of things that i noticed is uh like talking about zombies and these guys sit there and an- overanalyze you guys you could say like the, the whole zombie you know how zombies should act what zombies should do like don't go to the basement because you obviously be killed right away uh, you know, um, like everyone who's I've ever met who's like into zombies or if you hear people talk about zombies, uh, maybe you guys have some fans that listen to the Nerdist podcast. There's a comedian, Jonah Ray, who's always on there and he'll just like go off on like 20 minute tirades about zombies and how a zombie would never do this or a zombie would never do that. And like as a result, I was found myself like criticizing things in this book where I almost felt like I could be in that group talking with them about zombies. Like, why would the zombies care about this? Why would the zombies care about that? And uh so, I mean, it's funny that people were, I think people are like into zombies, like 150% or they don't care like myself. <laughs> Do you guys have any thoughts on this? I know Livia said, uh, we talked about this earlier, kind of like wishy-washy on zombies. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to respectfully disagree with you there. I don't know. I'm not 100% into zombies. Um, I, I find, 150%. Well, yeah, or that. <laughs> I find that there are some zombie movies I really enjoy. I don't really, I don't feel like I'm drawn to them. But I do enjoy them once in a while. And there has been a barrage of zombie fiction um, over the last few years, which it's interesting that Rob mentioned that there were no zombie books mentioned in the story um, because that didn't occur to me while I was reading it. But um, the barrage of zombie fiction over the last, you know, I don't know, three, four years has really 
you know, they're, they're the new vampires, or they're on their way out, so they're now the old vampires, which were the new vampires, which got well overplayed. Yeah, actually, now that you mention it, Dan, um, you're, what you just said made me think of uh, <laughs> how, yeah, how kind of out there people can get with zombies is. One time, I, when I used to live in Chicago, I went to this coffee shop that was like a few blocks from my house, and... Um, the guy, I didn't know any people that worked there. I was just a guy. I mean, I'd been in a few times, so maybe they'd seen me, but they didn't know me. We never talked or anything. I do my order. The guy's about to take my money, and he just looks at me and he says, let me ask you something. What's the proper way to kill a zombie? And just out of nowhere, and for no reason, there was no lead into this. I basically did my order, and he told me how much I owed. And he jumps right into this, and then um, here's the thing. I think I'm kind of a... I think I'm more of a closet zombie fan than I actually come across or I try to, I, that I project myself to be. So I told him, you know, what I thought the best way to kill a zombie was. And then, and the moment I got into the conversation, like everybody else that worked there just rushed over and we got into this conversation about what's the best weapon to kill a zombie with and everything. It was like, it was just, uh, it was so strange that these strangers, I don't know, we're in this huge zombie thing. So I can see what you're saying about people who, who are into it or, are way way into it and i deny that i'm a big zombie fan um i I haven't watched like a ton of movies or anything but i've read some stuff and i have probably six t-shirts from threadless that are all zombie themed so i'm probably more of a zombie lover than i than i pretend to be hey dan is it just me or were you waiting for him to tell us what the best way to kill a zombie was uh i was just gonna jump in and say baseball bat to the head but uh what were you gonna say rob what was your way how'd you answer um well yeah, well, the the basic thing is you cut off the head or you destroy the brain. Obviously, that's how a zombie dies. They gave me the choice of a weapon. They said either a sledgehammer or a sword, and I had to choose one or the other. And I chose. I gotta, I gotta say, sword. Oh, really? What'd Liv- you say, Livius? What do you got? Uh you know, a sledgehammer is much cooler, but a sword would probably be more efficient and easier to carry around. I went sledgehammer. It's because I got these big beefy arms. Well, you're going to get tired quick. I mean, you're a big guy, too. It would be much easier to swing around a sword than to swing around a sledgehammer. Right. Especially standard sledgehammer has size. you got to go like 16 pounds. You're going to get yeah. wiped out quick. Yeah, but from a cool factor, sledgehammer, totally. And do you know how tough it is to cut a head off? It's not just swinging it like you see in the movies. It's difficult to cut a head off. You've tried this? I'm just saying it has to be difficult. There's bone and cartilage and everything. You guys are against me on this, aren't you? Well, yeah, we're totally yeah I gotta go sword. I've seen. Have you guys seen that show like on Spike TV where like they have like the greatest warrior thing and they have the guy with the samurai sword like try and cut a gun in half and things like that? I just see that sword just cutting some zombies up. Yeah, I did. I watched a dull. few episodes of that. It's kind of an interesting show. And then they got really weird. It was like Dracula yeah. versus aliens, and I was like, ah, I don't know anymore. Well, sword won. I just want you to know, sword was winning when I was at the at the coffee shop. Well, of course it was. You know, it's funny, though. I've actually heard of other people, like, having this conversation before, like, just randomly. So it must be something on, like, the zombie message boards where it's, like, a <laughs> secret handshake. And, like, if you think someone's into zombies, just be like, what's the proper way to kill a zombie? And if that person answers correctly, then that means they're, like, into the cool zombie club. But if they're, like, who cares? Then, you know, they're just a square. And that's, that's a- the word a zombie fan would use. That's exactly how it felt, too. It was, like, the moment I answered and they were satisfied with the answer... I was part of their conversation that they were otherwise they were totally silent and locked in. So I felt exactly like that. Yeah, you were no longer a troll in the Starbucks or whatever coffee shop you were in. <laughs> you became a member immediately. It was intelligentsia. Thank you very much. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> All right. 
Um, God, I think we were talking about a story before all this. Um, this is much more interesting than the story. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. But it's a good thing we're not planning on having this author on for an interview or anything. Yeah. Um, so, at any rate, yeah, I, no, I know I got kind of sidetracked in my answer earlier. I would have to say I'm like the 50-50 zombie fan. There's some really good zombie stuff out there. Some of it's really, really bad. What's your favorites, Liv? Ah, uh, you know, and I was going to totally save this for a future episode. All right. I'd like to say this, that my favorite zombie movie is, and I'll give you the uh, American version of it, because this you could probably find on Netflix, Cemetery Man. Um, Della Morte, Della More was the original Italian version. And I like to say that it's, I don't call it a zombie movie. I tell people it's a movie with a lot of zombies in it, but really it's a love story. Just fantastic film. It's easily in my top five. And kudos to um, David James Keaton for making mention of that in his story. It's a fairly obscure title. So it was, uh, I, I became a little enamored with the guy when he mentioned it. Dan, you got more thoughts on the, on the story in general or, or things that you notice when you're reading it? Uh, well, I know you guys um, hyped me up to the author on the side as me being like a pop culture fan <laughs> and other things. But uh, like I mentioned earlier, my, probably one of my greatest weaknesses is zombie movies in that realm. If I could probably tell him more about like Pretty Woman or Ghost or other like cheesy love stories than like zombie movies. So there were a couple of things where I read it and I was like, I don't get the reference because I'm not a big zombie movie fan. I yeah, I don't like seek out zombie movies. I guess I saw like Shaun of the Dead, that was good, but I thought I saw it as a comedy, not so much as like a zombie movie. I think if we were to look at um, zombie movies um, and the story, Shaun of the Dead probably is the closest that I've seen to this because it still manages to make fun of zombie movies while being one. And I think that Mm -hmm. that's along the lines closest to the lines of the story of any zombie movie I've, I've seen just in structure, I guess. Yeah. I think you could say this story is good for like a more casual zombie fan too, where they'd be able to read this and still pick up some things about zombies and someone who is like a, like the diehard zombie fan I mentioned earlier, they'd still, I think both people would enjoy this. Uh, but I think the casual fan would enjoy the story more than an actual diehard zombie fan. Do you guys happen to know, is the author of the story like a diehard zombie guy? Or is this just, uh, I'm not familiar with him, so is this his thing? Does he exclusively write about zombies? Or No, I don't believe he does, actually. The only thing I'm really kind of pretty sure about after reading the story is that he might be a little deranged. <laughs> yeah, he definitely seems crazy, but I don't think he's like, yeah, just stuck with zombies. The other stuff, I read another story of his, and it was not zombie-themed at all. It was still dark. It was kind of noirish, but not had no zombies in sight. Ah, uh, is that the one on the Dirty Noir web- website? Yeah. Did you, remember, did you like that? It was. <laughs> <laughs> Rob pointed out to me when um, we kind of connected the dots that David James Keaton was on the Dirty Noir um, debut um, edition. And uh, I had said there were six stories out there, and five of them were really <laughs> fantastic. And one of them was still pretty good. And he asked me if um, Mr. Keaton's was the one that was just pretty good. And no, actually, that was probably my favorite one of the six. Yeah, and I asked him that before I read it, by the way. You set it up to make it sound like I was like, this story sucked. Was that the one that sucked, too? But that's not no, the case. No, I'm not setting you up anymore. After last week, I promised I'd stop. Good cover, guys. <laughs> Some other general takeaway thoughts that I had. Keaton, you know, puts together this cast of kind of social misfits, and it just makes perfect sense in the story because they're people who are willing to spend their weekends 
um, you know, moping around like zombies and, and, you know, these scenes where they're just pounding on the door to the house for, you know, for, for long periods of time. So obviously they're social misfits, but you know, and I know I said this on other episodes, but they felt real, you know, and just for an example, sour towel zombie is exactly what I thought when Dan was talking about um, the guy he worked with that had 400 zombie movies. So just, just to prove my point, you know, they felt real enough that Dan worked with sour towel zombie basically, you know, so I thought that he did a really good job in the, the short span of time that he had with introducing us to some fairly memorable characters. Yeah. I'd have to agree with Livius. Uh, sorry, Rob, to step on you. I was just going to mention that uh, I thought he did a good job of like portraying the characters, and it was almost like a, I, to put it in movies. I just saw Super Eight, which was kind of like Stand by Me, and you see like all these guys just hanging out, and it's like in those movies, it's kids. But these are grownups, and like they're all kind of loners. You get the feeling like they had ads in the paper for no pay, come be a zombie with us, and like people are actually showing up and responding to the ads. And I think those zombie fans, like not to offend anyone. I think a lot of them are loners. <laughs> the people that are diehard zombie fans. Well, no, they have, they have their zombie message board that you mentioned earlier. <laughs> the secret handshake yeah. conversation. Yeah. That's exactly. Just tell them where to send the hate mail. <laughs> <laughs> That's Dan at fatinatepodcast.com. Uh, one thing I want to mention, because we talked about like how there's 8 billion movie zombie movie references and stuff like that. Like I said, I haven't watched a ton of zombie movies and, uh, it still was a good story, so don't let all those references kind of intimidate you. It's still going to be a good story if you don't pick up on everything. Obviously, it's probably you know neat if you if you know what he's talking about, but it's not required in order to enjoy the story. No, I definitely think he explains them well enough that you can definitely get by without having seen any of these. It does help if you're familiar with the zombies and you know just what they do. Yeah, I skipped right over them because, I, like, like I said, I haven't seen any of those zombie movies. And uh, I was talking to someone I work with about being on your podcast, reading the story. And I was like, yeah, like at first I was thinking, like, what zombie movie I liked. And I think I actually said, like, Evil Dead. And I was like, wait, I don't even think that's a zombie movie. And, like, so I'm not really a big zombie fan at all. Although, I, keep saying, although I don't know if you notice this when you're reading it. It is mentioned in the story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I saw that. I was just thinking to myself. I was just <laughs> like, I don't even think that's really a zombie movie. Well, yeah, he did mention a tree, uh, not a zombie, <laughs> in that reference to Evil Dead. That's true. Spruce tree. Dan, anything you didn't like about the story? Um, yeah, like, you guys know, like, uh, well, first off, let me say, I was the first one to finish the story after you guys critiqued <laughs> me and saying I'd be probably not finished or probably not be on the episode. Uh, I was the first one to finish, and I immediately followed it up with sending you guys a message on Facebook, like, let me know when you're done. I have questions. <laughs> and uh, I talked to Livius on the phone. I felt the story jumped around a little bit too much for me, but that could also be the ADD. And like Livius mentioned on the phone this morning, something to me. And I was like, wait, what? That was in the story. <laughs> and uh, I just some I, some of the things where it would jump to something else. I almost felt like I'm like, is this a dream sequence or did this really happen? Uh, just an issue with following it. But I can easily blame myself and not the author for that. But uh, maybe someone else who's dumb like me might miss that also. Rob, what did you think? Story flow? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll agree with Dan. The thing, from my perspective, um, there are points that are disjointed, and I think that some of it is intentionally disjointed or unclear. But um, the pro- the only problem I would have with it is that, that most of the story is so clear and easy to follow that when it gets disjointed or unclear... 
you have to pause and think, well, you know, is this on purpose or, you know, what's the meaning behind this suddenly unclear point? But otherwise, I don't really have anything uh, that I seriously didn't like about the book. Uh, I thought it was or about the novella. I thought it was a pretty solid story. Would, could you guys agree with me? Like, I felt like when it would jump from part to part, it almost went from there being like a narrator to it being like a, and this is probably, you're probably gonna make fun of me for saying this, but like a first person account of like what's happening instead of it, like it's actually from that person's like point of view instead of just being like a narrator kind of saying like this is what's happening around me. Or does that make no sense when I say that? I understand what you're saying. I'm probably using the wrong terms though. No, and that's okay. I understand what you're saying. And I can <laughs> see where you would think that because he would kind of, our protagonist is is the narrator and so he's in the story so when he starts talking about something else he winds up narrating other things that have happened and then kind of flips back to talking about what's going on with him and you know all the necessary requirements of a good story is love uh his love interest and you know what's going on in the story and that type of thing so i can see where you kind of seems like maybe a shifted perspective a little bit but i don't think it stepped outside the bounds of and you know a true perspective shift no, I, I mean, I don't think it was, like, unnecessary or overkill. I just, like, when I'd read that, I was like, okay, it shifted. And uh, I was trying to figure out, like, when that would happen. It's like, is this reality or is this where it's a dream or something like that? But we, you guys let me know there's no dream sequence after. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is this really happening? And you're like, yes, that happened. And I was like, okay. Because it, like, kind of just jumped back right afterwards. So that's where I lost it. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I didn't think that there was anything. Uh, I didn't notice any weird things with perspective shifts. It seemed natural to me. So, um, yeah, I, I think it was fine. Uh, one of the things I don't know that we've mentioned, and um, I don't know if we're going to do a real you know, serious wrap-up on this or not, but, man, Keaton's really funny. <laughs> yeah, you think yeah, that would have but- come up earlier. That's, uh, that's one of the big things that I would sell this, this story as, is that it's pretty <laughs> hilarious in points. You know, we jump, we jump right to the hoity-toity uh, topics and, and, you know, and, and overlaying themes and this and that. But, man, the guy's just really funny in parts. Yeah, there were a lot of things or even uh, there were some more like pop culture references since I'm the pop culture expert. Uh, he mentioned like Ben Roethlisberger from the Pittsburgh Steelers and made some like four different jokes about him being a rapist. <laughs> and I was, I'm, I was kind of cringing because I was like, oh, is that too soon for it to be in the press? But uh it was pretty funny, and I think a lot of people might be like, who read this, be like, who's that from the zombie audience? <laughs> I was. Yeah, same, yeah. <laughs> same Same from the people who read books audience, apparently. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, there's like a four or five, like, rape jokes about the Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback, who, and, like, some of them are pretty funny, and that's what I picked up on, because I'm, like, a sports guy also. Less of a reader, <laughs> as you guys want to refer to me. And I wonder what Keaton thinks about this, because he wrote the story. I'm going to assume he reads. He obviously watches sports and <laughs> loves zombie movies. However, I got to call this out on the podcast. So I talked to you about this. Uh, he talks about Troy Palomalu, who is a defensive player on the Steelers. And the, then the context he uses him in the story, he puts him in like an offensive uh, thing where he got hit so hard or almost like where he's carrying a ball. If you're on defense, that's not going to happen. And I, I called that out to Olivia. So I was like, this guy doesn't know that much about sports. Is he from Pittsburgh? Do you know? In the area of, yes. Okay, because it's both Steelers players. So that's what I was, I was asking. Okay. Yeah, and well, the, there you go. I think we got sort of word cop. Is that sport copping? Is that what, what? Yeah, that's what, I, that's what I'll call it, sport <laughs> copping. 
then the Pittsburgh thing is actually for the hardcore zombie fans that makes sense because what is it Dawn of the this is where I'm going to not sound like I know what I'm talking about but I think it's Dawn of the De- the original one of the big original movies um, is supposed to take place in Monroeville which is right outside of Pittsburgh at a mall and uh, and it's been referenced and rehashed and revisited in like practically everything since it the Romero flicks uh, it took place in around Pittsburgh. And was even referenced in Zack and Mary Make a Porno, Kevin Smith's uh, movie, and there's people wearing Monroeville zombie hockey jerseys. So there's my pop culture reference for you. Yeah, I well don't done. have a pop culture reference, believe it or not. I am not clued into anything that's going on in the world around me. <laughs> you want to wrap um, this up? Uh, yeah, but first, and this is totally off topic, not that we've been real scripted as <laughs> our listeners could probably tell, but... I have an email open that's kind of been a dialogue between us and David James Keaton and him getting us um, the story. It's I'll explain to you in a minute the whole email thread. But um, at the bottom, I'm guessing there, there's an ad it's on Gmail that's zombie love songs, I want to eat your hand, and other classics at zombiecarols.com. Wow. So Google apparently has searched through our uh, our thread of emails that contain the word zombie in it a couple of times, I'm guessing. And, uh, yeah, suggest a website called zombiecarols.com. Can I just say the scary part about that is that someone paid to put that ad up there and that people are actually, they actually know they're going to get clicks on that because people are probably going to look up zombie love songs and all that. Dude, they have their own handshake. I know. <laughs> it's pretty serious stuff. You and Joe got your own handshake? We just bumped chests like Patrick Ewan and John Starks. <laughs> See, I didn't understand what that meant. Oh, it's much funnier if you, well, yeah, it's much funnier if you know YouTube what that meant. It, YouTube you can, it. Yeah, but if you can kind of picture Dan and Joe doing that, it's yeah. funnier. Here, here's what it entails. At both of us getting all 380 pounds of Joe and all 220 pounds of me off of the ground and then slamming hands, uh, both hands above our heads, and then pushing them down to our sides. So you're looking at 600 pounds off of the ground simultaneously and then coming down and crashing to the earth with our hands together and bellies. Because there's no way our chests are touching. Oh, I want to see that in bullet time. That's the only way that could happen. (laughs) There'd be only an inch of space underneath Joe's feet. All right, guys. And I'm going to stay off topic because while you were explaining uh, Starks and Ewing, which the last time I watched a sporting event, Starks and Ewing were on the same team in New York. I did click on the zombie carols link and I'm going to read you <laughs> some cents. of the things here. Ten cents. <laughs> here is a, please be sure to check out the new book. Every zombie eats somebody sometime, a book of zombie love songs. And then the other one is a, a Christmas book uh, entitled, it's beginning to look a lot like zombies over to the side in the, uh, in the ad section. Let me scroll back up a little bit. Um, it says, order zombie Christmas carols. Click here for buy book now. <laughs> yeah. oh. Is this site in Nigeria? Are they just going to collect our credit card I would card just numbers? like to say that we're in no way affiliated with zombiecarols.com. Not that we wouldn't be affiliated with them. They just haven't approached us yet because they haven't heard this episode. They'll be all over us now. All right, let's get to, uh, to starting to wrap this up. Rob. I know this isn't a legitimate uh, full book review like we normally do, but if you had to throw some stars on this, where would it go? Four stars. I uh, I thought the story was pretty tight. It had some good themes to it and uh, was really funny and entertaining. I'm gonna in a little bit. I'm gonna do some quotes that emphasize that. But overall, really solid, and I'm uh, I like it at four stars. Okay, 
Dan, on your podcast, you guys don't do a star rating system or like numbers out of 10. You guys do a kind of interesting thing called a candy rating system. So if you had to give this book a candy rating, where would it fall? Uh, let me think about that for a second. I'm going to probably say it's a bite-sized Snickers since it's a novella. And uh, it, so it's a little bit smaller <laughs> and it had a little bit of everything. You know, I think it's a sol- it was a solid read. I know I sat here and kind of like bashed it a little, but it was still funny, entertaining. I read all of it. And uh, so I'd give it a bite size Snickers or ch- fun size. There you go. Okay. I'm going to, again, for like the third week in a row, echo Rob on, on this. This is easily a four star story. You know, I, I like the novella format. I'm starting to like the novella format more, I should say. Man, I really wanted a little more. And by more, I don't mean necessarily more that the story was lacking anything. I kind of grew attached to our protagonist and kind of wanted to spend a little more time with him. So that's my only legitimate gripe is uh, this could have been a little longer. And like I said a minute ago, um, I'm just going to do a couple quick quotes. I think it's a really good way to give the listener an idea of, of the tone and the feel of the story. So I've got about three. I think Livia's has got one. I'm going to hit you with one right now. This first quote doesn't really need much of a setup. It goes, As we watch, Sour Towel Zombie begins to wind down, creaky foot over foot over foot, like a weary robot desk toy. Then one knee is on the ground. Then the other. Then he's clutching a handful of grass like it's the answer. All right, here's what I have. There was a part in the book where they rattle off about, like, 30 zombie like one-liner jokes i guess this isn't like the kind of quote you guys normally have on here but i can personally relate to this uh i enjoy a good tasteless joke or corny joke and so it's just there's like 30 of these i'll just give you like three what do you call a zombie with no arms and no legs and quickly the other guys replies matt what do you call that same zombie in the pool bob what do you call that same zombie hanging out on a meat hook chuck and uh, i just thought this was kind of funny because like livius and rob both know me if they get me like started on a topic and like it's, you can easily just picture these guys just standing around, like basically it's a circle jerk, and they're just making jokes one after another to keep each other entertained. And uh, I think we can all relate to that. And that's how I am. I can just remember like forty jokes and just rattle them off. All it takes is like a quick topic. And these guys had zombies. <laughs> For any of our listeners who aren't familiar with the term circle jerk, could you explain that? <laughs> oh, I don't mean it in the literal sense. I mean it in the uh, the sense where you're just standing around wasting time. It means something completely different if you look it up on Urban Dictionary, so I would not recommend doing that. Uh, just think of it as a way of wasting time where a bunch of guys are standing around just talking to each other instead of doing anything. Fair enough. Rob, <laughs> you got another quote for us? Yeah, tagging on to some of the dark humor that Dan just gave us, um, this is an example of some of the more dark and nasty stuff that he writes in the book. Cunnilingus on a corpse? Sure, that sounds nasty out loud, but only if you don't know what a goddamn romantic coming-of-age moment this is. <laughs> I thought that was just brilliant. I don't have anything to say about that. It speaks for itself. Yeah, I read that too, and I was just like, wait, what the hell just happened in this book? <laughs> <laughs> but there's a there's a part after that where uh, he talks about uh, the taste, and it was just funny that he used those terms. Like, I've actually heard other people use it before too, and it's like the detail was just like, I think most guys could be like, oh, I know exactly what it means. (laughs) And I'll just leave it at that. I don't want to spoil it. And darker and darker it goes. All right, I'm going to throw out, I'm going to lighten this up a little bit, and I'm going to go with um, probably one of the least um, 
disturbing quotes that, that you've heard tonight. No setup needed. He was always way too into these debates and surprisingly unfunny for a kid named Josh. <laughs> That's good stuff. Uh, somebody's somebody's got to clean it up around here. <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it off with this final quote, which uh, is more funny and, and more lighthearted. And I think I, I just it, I think this really kind of sums up the feel of uh, most of the story in general. This is a this is a conversation between the protagonist and his father. He's kind of remembering remembering back to earlier in life when he's having a a conversation with his father. How long would you last in the zombie apocalypse? I once asked him. Eh, about the same, he joked. For the record, the worst joke if you're keeping track. Fifteen minutes if I think about baseball. And uh That doesn't work. That doesn't work. <laughs> thinking about baseball. <laughs> yeah, I refuse to think about baseball at all, just in general. Rob, you went and saw a baseball game over the holiday weekend, didn't you? Yes, I saw the Chicago Cubs play the Washington Nationals at uh, whatever the Nationals Park is called. <laughs> good old whatever it's called. Yeah, good old whatever it's called. Uh, I got three innings into sitting in the in the in the seats and was sweating so profusely that I escaped back to where the food stands were, and I watched it from back there where it was a little bit cooler. It was kind of a miserable experience. All right, so I think that just about wraps it up for ZBMB, um, a.k.a. Propeller Hats for the Dead. Uh, David James Keaton is the author. Um, one of the reasons we're, and we always kind of explain why we're reviewing something that came out a while ago, is uh, Mr. Keaton has revised uh, this story and is making it available on Amazon, independent of the other stories that were in Dead Core that it was originally published with. And that should be available. We're so cutting edge it'll probably be available right around the time this hits the air. So if you're listening to this now, there's a good chance it's only been a matter of hours since it's been available on Amazon. I do believe that's going to retail for 99 cents. Once it's available, we'll make sure that we have a link on our website that you can uh, just click and go buy it. Can I say, uh, by you calling us cutting edge, does that make us emo? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Olivia knows I love a good emo joke. <laughs> yeah, what the hell? Go ahead. No, I'm leaving. I'm just going to leave it in like that. <laughs> We've been talking a lot with uh, with David James Keaton uh, in the lead up to doing this review and everything, and we've had the conversation about having him on the episode for an interview. So uh, we're hoping to have that coming up in the next couple weeks. We don't have exact details about that, but look for that on our website when that uh, gets announced. And we didn't really talk about this in advance, but Dan, what do you think about joining us for that interview? Uh, yeah, I can do it if you like. I know he said in the email that you guys forwarded me that he wouldn't care if you guys bashed the book. He said it'd be funnier. So I can, if he doesn't listen to this, I can just make it really mean next week. That'd be <laughs> yeah, great. I was thinking that uh, Livius and I could bag off and you guys could just like square off against each other and really tear into each other. <laughs> I think with his sense of humor, though, I think we'd actually get along pretty great um, <laughs> on the show. And I think he'd be like, yeah, I did kind of screw that up, but... Uh, you know, I like the Roethlisberger stuff. <laughs> <laughs> all right, there it is. So uh, once we get that all settled up, we'll uh, we'll put an announcement up and let you know when that's going to happen. All right, and now we have um, one more little surprise for the listeners um, tonight. Anybody who's listened um, since the first interlude episode will probably understand um, that that can mean only one thing. Malaz Corbier, our own personal Matt Damon. Um, who is now officially has officially become our correspondent from the Netherlands, and Malaz had this to say about zombies. 
Hello, hello. For some odd reason, Rob and Livius have asked me to talk for a bit on their award-winning podcast. I really don't know why they've asked me. Is it because Livius wants me to replace Rob? Or maybe Rob wants me on because I can pronounce German words accurately? To be honest, I know it not. Oh wait, I almost forgot to be polite, something my mom wants me to be. My name is Mles Corbier, also known as the Dutch Matt Damon. I am also the documenter of the life of the infamous Jimmy Fiber. Contrary to popular belief, I know a fair deal about the undead. First of all, I think they ought to take more interest in personal hygiene as they always look like a dirty lot. But my real, tangible knowledge came from when I fought a bunch of them so many moons ago. On that fateful night, I removed the head from one by repeatedly stabbing her in the neck with the leg of a bar stool. She was trying to have at my bird, and yes, I might have overreacted slightly, but I don't take these matters lightly. Now I don't want to spoil nothing about how that all ended, so just look out for the story named The Revenge of the Zombie Pussy Eaters, written by Craig Walwork. It'll be published shortly in the May-December publications Midnight Movie Creature Feature Anthology. For more information you can visit maydecemberpublications.com. Well, that's long enough of my bollocks. Cheerio for now. Okay, and we like Malaz so much that uh, we decided that we're going to make him a regular fixture on the interlude episodes. So tune in for interlude episodes for more Malaz. And if you like him, you can ask us to have him on more often than just on interludes, and we'll consider that as well. Not you, Malaz. You can't ask. Other people have to ask on your behalf. <laughs> the Malaz army. That's right. All right. Dan. What else is coming up for the Fat and A podcast? What can we look forward to? I don't know if you guys want me to bring down the level of class on your show, but tomorrow, myself and Joe Hammer, this is going to be too late for your listening audience, uh, but on the 8th of July, we are going to the Exotica Expo in Chicago. We uh, have media access that was once revoked and now given back to us. Is that where they have like snakes and birds and all kinds of cool animals yeah, from exotic, exotic animals. locations? You know what? You mentioned that there's actually a model that's going to be there named Snake Babe, and she is going to have snakes with her, I'm sure. And uh, yeah, so she'll be there. And that's probably the only animals that I hope are there besides uh, Joe, my (laughs) co-host. He will have to be on a leash. But yeah, that should be interesting. And we also are seeing horrible bosses tomorrow. So that'll be our next review up on fatinapodcast.com. So, Dan, explain to us a little bit more about what this Exotica uh, thing you're going to is. Well, long story short, it's a porn convention. Uh, There's going to be all kinds of adult models and uh, adult film stars. And there's also going to be things for growing your own at-home adult business. There's actually going to be some conversations. We're probably not going to go to those, although it could be pretty funny. And uh, there's also going to be live concerts and live, excuse me, or live music. Two live crew is going to be there. And uh, we all know what joy they brought to the rap scene in the early 90s. Do you guys recall 2 Live Crew? Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> all right. So there's a grow. I'm a little confused. So you said there's going to be a grow your own adult business things and stuff like that. Is there like keynote speeches and workshops and stuff that you're going to be attending? I didn't think that was the kind of thing that you'd typically see at a convention of such an adult nature. Yeah. And the, here's the best part. It's like an extra $95 for your pass to get into those keynote speeches. So I'm sure the first step to growing your business is spending more money on keynote speeches to help it grow. And uh, 
yeah, I can't believe that this is there also. I'm, I'm just really concerned about the quality or the level of people that are going to be attending the show with us. <laughs> I was concerned when you told me they let you go. Uh, not only let us go, but they let us in for free with a camera. I, I'm a, Yeah, I don't know who's going to be there. I don't know if it's just going to be like porn fanboys and people running around that way. Or if it's just going to be the guy who like sells his wife in their living room or their trailer. And uh, that's the home business we're growing. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see. I'll take plenty of pictures. You can follow me. Uh, follow me on Fat Name Podcast. And I'll live tweet the porn convention. Uh, when when are you going to be posting um, the results of, of your, your trip to the Exotica? Uh, probably as soon as possible. They'll probably be up on the 9th of July. I don't know when you guys are going to drop this episode. Uh, but people will be able to go to fatinatepodcast.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fatinate podcast and i'll put the pictures up there all the all of the ones i can get away with posting up there okay. and i can't believe i'm actually going to say this but you'll be able to find a link to the fatinate podcast on our website uh yeah there's already one on there and i know you're ashamed of that i'm actually getting clicks click throughs from that by the way people are checking us out because of uh, you guys uh, this is what i get for never going to the website all right, speaking of websites, um, I know Dan didn't mention this yet, but uh, both the Fat Nate podcast and the book podcast are available on Stitcher. You may have heard me mention that um, last week on the show. Um, Dan, by the way, uh, how long did it take you guys to get on Stitcher? Uh, less than 48 hours, as you predicted. Yeah, and uh, uh, Rob, how long did it take us to get on Stitcher? More than 48 days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I believe it was close to three months. Um, but as part of our uh, agreement with Stitcher, we would promote them on our show. And Dan, being the genius that he is, um, just figured out a way that I don't have to plug it. So here's Dan with a plug for Stitcher. I don't know if we should talk about plugs this soon after we just talk about the porn convention <laughs> tomorrow. But uh, from my email I received from Stitcher, it says, You can now hear our shows while on the go with Stitcher Smart Radio. On-demand news, talk, and more on your mobile phone. The latest episode is always available for you. No syncing needed and no memory or storage wasted. Available for your iPhone, Android phones, WebOS phones, and your BlackBerry. Downloading is easy. Go to Stitcher.com or check out your app store. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. Um, Dan, where can people get a hold of you when they want to hire you for voiceover work? Uh, you can find me on YouTube, just like that homeless guy. <laughs> I like how we always uh, we always sound a little bit more Valley Girl when we're reading those Stitcher commercials. I think it naturally comes with the territory. Yeah. You're like, this is how a voiceover guy should sound. Yeah, you slap on your, poor, <laughs> your shill voice. I just think it's poor writing on the part of the folks at Stitcher. I think that David James Keaton should write the Stitcher, um, the, the four Stitcher examples of what you should read on your show. Oh, my God. We're going to ask him to do that. We're going to ask him to write it. We're going to give him our Stitcher ads, and we're going to make him <laughs> customize them for us. You guys are just trying to get kicked off, aren't you? No, 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 no. People no. listen to us on Stitcher. We're providing them a service. Should we read a second one just so they uh, can't fault us for making fun of the other one? We have more. This oh, one's the no. shortest. Oh, no. I think we'll have to wait until next time to do that. <laughs> All right. You should have Malaz do the Stitcher pitch. I don't yeah. know. Does he have an accent? That'd be hilarious. He does. You know what? I'm thinking our correspondent from the Netherlands might have to do our Stitcher pitch for us. Or, um, Rob, we should have uh, Pina do this for us, <laughs> a friend of outside of the podcast. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> I think we just fig- we just hit gold. We're going to outsource our uh, Stitcher 
ads to everybody possible. You know, we can feed it into like one of those um, electronic voices and just have it. We are now like IP, IP relay. That's what you should do. Go to you know what IP relay is. I will to make a make it all right. So it's like a it's a website for people who are deaf. And what they do is they type in the message and the computer, and then someone actually reads and talks to the person on the other side. So you can just have IP relay, like call your Google Voice account and just have them leave the voicemail. Is, like is this is this what you do in your free time? You take away resources <laughs> from handicapped people for your own entertainment? No, people have been abusing this for years. Uh, I oh, actually know, that makes it okay then. Yeah, I help out a pizza place, and they get like prank calls and like, People from Nigeria calling, and they're like, uh, I need 800 pizzas, and please tip the driver $1,000 cash. It's like the most common way to do scams on the internet. The more you know. By ordering pizza? Uh, well, they, want you to, they want you to uh, bring up an extra $1,000 in cash and charge that, and then give that to the driver when he picks up the, picks up the pizzas. They, they actually have someone in the area. They don't, come, they don't want you to deliver the pizza to Nigeria. That's not how it works. They want they have someone in the area who will come and pick it up. Wait, do I get a pizza out of this though? I really am not following this at all. Got Stitcher? We're on it. So get it. <laughs> Stitcher. <laughs> we should uh yeah. If this is your first Wait. time listening to the book podcast, please go back and listen to one of our previous episodes or one of our future episodes and don't judge us based solely on the content of this episode. Hey, Dan, thank you so much for joining us on the show this evening. You've been a terrific guest. Uh, you know, the pleasure is all on this side of the mic. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Great having Dan, and I'm looking forward to having him back to interview David James Keaton if he's still interested in coming on. Uh, that'll do it for Booked for this week. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. Keep reading. Hey, Tom, it's Bob from the office down the hall. Good to see you, buddy. How have you been? Things have been okay for me, except that I'm a zombie now. I really wish you'd let us in. I think I speak for all of us when I say I understand why you folks might hesitate to submit to our demand. But here's an FYI You're all gonna die screaming All we wanna do is eat your brains We're not unreasonable I mean, no one's gonna eat your eyes All we wanna do is eat your brains We're at an impasse here Maybe we should compromise Open up the doors We'll all come inside and eat your brains I don't want to nitpick, Tom, but is this really your plan? Spend your whole life locked inside a mall Maybe that's okay for now, but someday you'll be out of food and guns And you'll have to make the call I'm not surprised to see you haven't thought it through enough You never had the head for all that bigger picture stuff But Tom, that's what I do And I plan on eating you slowly All we want to 
Open up the doors We'll all come inside and eat 